Welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we are just doing our best to make the world 10% nicer. And we're super glad that you're here to help us get there by every means necessary. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today we are joined by Jay Jackson, aka La Ganja Estranja. Jay, Jay's amazing, but Jay's a, a world-renowned female illusionist, choreographer, musical artist, cannabis advocate, and LGBTQ plus icon. Uh, Jay first launched the stardom after being selected to compete on season six of RuPaul's Drag Race. Today, Jackson's TV and film credits include Heidi Klum's Queen of Drag, So You Think You Can Dance, Latin American Music Awards, Germany's Next Top Model, Bon Appetit, America's Got Talent, RuPaul's Green Screen Christmas, Skin Wars, MTV's Video Music Awards, and the American Music Awards. Yeah. Jackson was featured on the cover of New York Magazine's uh, June 2019 issue, The Most Powerful Drag Queens in America. Yeah. And Laganja has also been featured in High Times Magazine as well as Dope Magazine, making her the first LGBTQ plus entertainer to appear on the cover of a cannabis magazine. In 2016, Jackson founded Laganja's Dance School, an international high heels masterclass and confidence workshop held in dozens of cities all over the world. Jackson's music videos and social media content, including YouTube and the drag-centric platform World of Wonder, have garnered hundreds of millions of views online. And stay tuned. We're going to talk about uh, Jay's latest song, Estranja's latest song. It's And you're going to watch the video. This is going to happen. And you're going to have your mind blown. All right. Uh, yeah, basically, Laganja is a super interesting, mega-talented, highly opinionated champion of equal rights, inclusivity, and, and, and wild, no-holds-barred nonconformity. If you don't love Laganja, I mean, I don't know what to say. So listen into our conversation. I'd love to know what you think. As always, just drop me a line via the socials or through the SNC Insider Community text app. couple of quick items, as always. This is episode number 61. I can't believe it. 61 episodes. So here's some super nice 61s for you. The chemical element with the atomic number 61 is Promethium. What a badass name for a, for a chemical element. Promethium, Prometheus, you know? I mean, until you remember that Prometheus was chained to a rock and had his eyes and liver pecked out every single day by a giant eagle. Not so super nice, Zeus. Uh, 61 is the international code for Australia. Yay, hi, Australian family. Hi, Perth. Miss all of you. Uh, the P-61 aircraft, a.k.a. the Black Widow, as it was uh, called, is the first fighter aircraft designed to be a night fighter. Who knew? Uh, 61 is the number of points required to win in standard cribbage. I don't cribbage. Weird game to me. And in 1961, Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, whose name I just butchered, completes the first orbit of Earth by a human. I mean, those Soviet space explorers were pretty kick-ass. Hats off to them. Lastly... 61 is the number of miles seven-year-old Miles Nantucket ran on his hands in just 10 hours to set the world record for on-your-hands distance running. 61 miles on his hands and so fast. Wow, I made that up. Okay, what else? We're looking for a designer. We're looking for a designer to relaunch the Super Nice Club as a super badass streetwear brand. If you've got the chops, you should holler. You must be deep into streetwear history and contemporary streetwear, and have illustration skills, like, you know, pen and paper. No computer-only designers at the SNC. Okay, ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Turn off everything else. 
tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with Jay Jackson, a.k.a. La Ganja Estranja. Jay Jackson, you're on nice work. I'm so glad to have you on. Hi, how's it going? It's a great morning in L.A. I'm in Los Angeles, same as you. I thought, yeah, but you have more birds where you are. I'm jealous. I mean, I'm literally in the middle of Hollywood, but somehow uh, I think because of all the plants that I've planted here, I've attracted the birds, yes. Oh, that's great. I'm uh, up in Brentwood, and we did see a bunch of parrots recently. Wow, that's wild. So I looked it up. And there are, I may have the numbers wrong because I usually do, but who cares? Nobody's going to fact check this. I believe there are 2,000 um, wild parrots in LA, you know, that were pets. Right. But that got uh, And they've colonized. Yes. Yeah, so there are 2,000 parrots in LA. Interesting. Yeah. Keep, keep an eye out. You might okay. attract some parrots. Uh, I'm so all for, for it. <laughs> for those who don't know you, can you help me set things up a little bit? You're, you're Jay Jackson. You're, you're La Ganja Estranja. You have a bazillion professional pursuits. And we'll try to get through at least a couple thousand of them here. Where do we start? What, when people say to you, you know, what do you do? I mean, is that like a 10-minute conversation? How do you, how do you answer that? Uh, no, I've got my answers pretty much down these days. You've <laughs> got to be able to uh, pitch to people quickly who you are and what you do. So yeah. I'm most known for being on RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6. I'm a cannabis activist. I'm a female impersonator. I'm a choreographer. I'm basically an artist all around. I, you name it, I do it. If there's a paycheck, I'll figure it out. That, that was succinct. I love it. Let's just jump in and we'll work backwards a little bit. Because I was looking at, at the things that you've been doing and what stuck out for me was, is you have a new song. It's crazy, sexy, over the top video called Daddy, which listeners, listen, if you're listening to this right now, this comes out in the morning, East Coast. Yeah. If you're at work, you should play this really loud. Totally safe for work. The song's called Daddy. Can we talk about the song? Can we talk about this video? Uh, sure. Um, yeah. You know, I was really inspired by Cardi B's WAP. Uh, I actually created the song Daddy two years ago, but due to its explicit nature, uh, I kind of held off on the project. I didn't feel like the timing was right at that moment, uh, financially and just artistically. But once Cardi B released her hit single WAP, which if you're not familiar with that song, you must be living under a rock. It was the most popular song in the entire world. And it talked about, you know, female parts being wet and gushy. So I decided that the queer community should have a similar anthem and that it was time to release my song Daddy that I created with my incredible family in Atlanta known as BSE, Big Snow Entertainment. So... Yeah, I partnered with my dear friend, Robert Heyman, who is not only my best friend, but an artistic collaborator and partner of mine. And he directed, styled, uh, shot. I mean, he did it all. He really did the entire video, uh, except for actually shooting it. That was Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Um, And we created this little video for $2,000 during quarantine. Wow. 13 looks in under four minutes, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, You have to be 18 uh, years old to watch it on YouTube, so definitely hope you got that kind of account to check out what I've been doing. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to release something fun and sexy. You know, so much of my art is wrapped up in being political, is wrapped up in changing the world. And I felt like during Corona, I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted to be with hot guys and covered in honey and champagne and, uh, you know, just really create something that could also destigmatize sex. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's okay for Cardi B to talk about it, but all of a sudden when someone gay or queer or trans 
transgender talks about it, it becomes an issue. So I wanted to, you know, draw attention to that. But ultimately, I just wanted to have a good old time. Why do you think, why do you think that lust, especially the best kind, which is mutual lust, right? That's the most fun. Why do you think it's seen as not super nice by some people? When I was growing up, you know, George Michael was singing about it. It's natural. It's fun. But now I feel like societally we kind of get more accepting and then we go, you know, there's this, these waves that we ride. And like you just said, super inconsistent. It's okay for Cardi B in larger pop communities, but it's not okay in other parts of the queer community. What, what do you, what's your, what are your theories on that, Professor? Uh, well, that's a loaded question for this early in the morning. I've only had like <laughs> one uh, bowl hit, so I don't know if I'm quite prepared to answer that. Just bring what you got. Um, you know, I just think that there are many equalities in life, whether it be because you're a person of color, whether it be because you're a queer person. Um, and in order to work through those, we just have to create more visibility. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do as Laganja Estranja with my music, with my art. I'm just trying to show people that you can be anything you want want to be. And ultimately, of course, I hope to do that to, you know, a large amount of success. But I feel even on a, you know, smaller level, regardless of whether my song, you know, topped the charts like Cardi B's, it's out there. It's out there for someone to find and say, hey, I identify with this or this feels right to me. And I think that's what it's about. You know, I think sex has always been taboo, but it's also always been the top thing to sell whatever product you want. So I feel like we're finally getting there with songs like WAP. We're finally recognizing that there is this unabashed sexuality that we all have and want to express, but feel like we can't. And so I just think it's a matter of time before we really break down these barriers, not only in sex, but like I said, in cannabis and race. I mean, there's so many walls we have to tear down. And I think the, the young generation is very much aware of that and they're trying. I mean, as much as I make fun of TikTok, those kids really over there are doing something to change the way we view the world. And I think that's what it's about. Agreed. And they, they're coming up with so much more exposure. I guess you would say normalized exposure because if it's on YouTube, you know, if it's, if it's a video like, like Daddy or WAP or these just so many points of exposure to sexuality, sensuality from the whole spectrum, right? That it's, it's easier, ideally, hopefully, for them to just embrace it as this is the way the world works. You know, I, I was watching Daddy and I mean, I just have to be honest, you know, like I'm somebody I have a, or had a, a gay father. Um, my mother was uh, uh, just always hanging out with, with Queens. <laughs> she was just, she was that woman. There's, there's a, a rhyme for, for her that, that I won't use. Sure. Um, I watch your video and. Well, now oh, I have to know, is the rhyme FF or FH? FH. Okay. I was thinking fruit fly. Oh, that's the, no, no, no. That's the nicer no. version, although that's not the very nicer nice. version. The one that my, my mom is like, Well, I don't want to be called a fly. I'm like, I hear you. That's not very no, nice. My, my mom ascribed it to herself. She She's a, a hilarious, hilarious woman. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I watched Daddy. And I'm like, I noticed myself kind of going, oh, wow. That's over there. Because I'm, you know, I'm just like a cisgender white dude, right? Like as, as uh, I made it to much. do that. So that's yeah, good. I'm but, glad but then I had to Then I had to ask myself. Yo, Todd, what was that all about? You know, you have to kind of ask yourself, okay, so you have that reaction. And what it was about was just not being used to seeing it, right? That's all it was. 
It wasn't like, ooh, that's wrong. It was like, ooh, that's, that's funny, <laughs> you know, and that's great. But um, I still had a reaction that I didn't have control of. I had, a, I had an initial reaction, which was like, ah, geez, you know, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot of man. And I thought, gosh, you know, and I consider myself fairly, I try to be as accepting as I can be, but I still, you have these moments when you notice your sort of conditioned responses, right? Correct. I'm like, man, we need to have a lot more videos like that out there so that it's not just so... Um, Talking. So that you, Jay, don't have to feel like you have to wait two years to put it out. You know, right. even you, you know, there's a level of, is this right? Is And you probably have to weigh your career in there somewhere, right? Of course. Right. You know, when, you, when you're spending money here and you become a business like I have, you have to think big picture. And as much as I loved the song and was ready to release it two years ago, you know, and hell, even now that I've released it, it's still, like I said, got the 18 and up thing on it and they made it hard to find. They buried it on YouTube. So, you know, but to me, I just have learned that this is my lineage that I'm living in. Queer people have fought for so many different things and have really created landscapes and really changed environments. And so I feel like a very strong sense of continuing on that, whether it be through cannabis or whether it be through art and, and, and doing things like daddy. So uh, I appreciate your open and honest answer to what you actually experienced when you watched it, because that's exactly why we did it. We wanted to make people go, well, wait, why does this bother me? And why is it okay for Cardi B and two women to be rubbing all over each other's titties? But when two men do it, I'm bothered by it, or it's not okay, or we've got to hide it on the algorithm. You know, I wanted mm -hmm. to point that out, which ultimately, like I said, even though this was a fun video, my art is always political. Everything I'm doing always has a deeper meaning and a deeper meat to it. Because I feel like as an artist, if you don't have that other layer, then you are just pop culture and you are just sort of sugar and candy. And I, I do want to be more than that. You know, I, I love being able to have fun, but of course there, there is something that I want to point out and there is something that, you know, needs to be, have attention drawn to it. Yeah. I, so listeners, if, when you watch this video, just do it as a challenge to yourself. Even if you don't, doesn't sound Record your you. parents watching it. I really wanted <laughs> that to become a thing on TikTok because everyone was doing that with WAP, you know? So I was right. like, maybe they'll do it with my video because it'd be so funny to see parents' reactions. When you watch it, whatever your reaction is, positive, negative, neutral, uncomfortable, super comfortable, surprisingly comfortable... <laughs> Ask yourself to just, before you, you just reflexively move on uh, or move out of that space, just ask yourself about why. Do a little bit digging. Ask yourself if your response is you or if it's something that's been conditioned into you, you know, for a long time. That's all. I anyway, love that. Uh, that's so real. That's one of the realest things we've ever said about that video. So thank you for bringing that up today. I appreciate that. Of course. You were mentioning a moment ago some of the the earlier generations of activists in the space. Do you have any heroes in the female illusionist slash drag space slash uh, rights space that you want to give a shout out to that, that maybe people should check up on? 
Well, you know, my biggest hero and icon in life is Missy Elliott. Uh, I'm just obsessed with her ever since I was a little kid and I found her music. I was like, that's me. I'm her. Um, Because she does exactly what I was talking about earlier, which is creating pop music that also has a deeper message and meaning behind it. So I studied her a lot in college. I actually wrote a thesis on her. Um, Her super duper fly where she wears the big giant fat suit is actually a commentary on the hypersexualization of the black female body. And the course that I was studying started with Sarah Bartman, which was the first African, well, yeah, African woman. I was going to say African American, but she wasn't American. So the first African woman who was put on display and toured around the world to be looked at because her body was so, you know, exotic to uh, white people. And then we worked our way all the way up to Missy Elliott. So I just really found like a new love for Missy when I discovered this because yes, I I had always liked her because she was hot and because she encouraged me to shake my ass. But when I realized that she was also, you know, such a deep artist and really had layered these messages through her pop culture art, I just, I just was like, wow, that's exactly what I want to do. And so Laganja Estranja really is, you know, inspired by women like Missy Elliott who have had to fight to had their voice heard and, you know, who have really overcome that and created something that is so marketable that people don't even notice how smart they are. As far as in the cannabis space goes, I mean, there's so many people, but of course, Dennis Perone would come to mind first and foremost, you know, queer person who fought for the rights of cannabis. But, um, you know, I think there are so many people whose names we don't know. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the really sad thing here is like, there are so many brown and black trans brothers and sisters who not only fought for my rights as a queer person, but who probably were also involved in passing the legislation known as Proposition 215 or the the Compassionate Act, which is out here in California, which was the first bill that was passed, which illegally allowed us to medicate under medical license. Now, obviously, we've gone recreational. But again, I feel like, like I said, the point here is there are so many people whose names we don't know. And those people are my heroes. You know, I I wish I knew their names, but I just know that, uh, yeah, they were fighting the good fight and they were the ones who didn't really get any of the the um like popularity you know what i mean like we all know dennis but i wonder how many you know black and brown trans women underneath him who were helping him were there but because of their race because of their you know gender identity they weren't talked about they were just used like you know for generations and generations which is why i'm so happy to see us having that conversation now i mean yes so many of my friends are trans and so i feel so lucky to have had really a lifetime not a lifetime, but a, an in-person life experience. Because again, it's sort of like when you watch that video, it's like when you're not around someone trans, you're going to react differently than when you are. And when you have actual access to someone who is experiencing that life. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, that that's, like I said, those are my heroes. All right. Missy Elliott and then the thousands and thousands and thousands of others who are still out there right now experiencing this stuff, especially in parts of the country and the world where it's really, really, it's, it's, uh, you risk your life to be brave and people do and have for a long, long time. So I guess this is our shout out to all of them. Absolutely. In the past and in the future. Anyone brave enough to be themselves is a hero of mine for sure. And a super nice club. Yes. So I got to ask, what are you smoking this morning? Well, I am actually smoking uh, Gravs, G-R-A-V. They have these new 
I don't know if they're new. They're new to me. They're like pre-rolls, but they're glass. So like they come like loaded with glass and then you have this little piece and you pop it in and you shove the cannabis down as it burns. So it literally is like a glass blunt, which is pretty cool. And then I'm also smoking on full moons CBD cigarettes because I am a huge cigarette smoker and I'm really trying to quit. And I love these. They're, they're super, I don't know. They're great. They don't taste like menthol, which is what I'm working with the company on. I actually like reached back out to them and was like, look, I have an idea that I think you're going to like. So we're, we're actually going to hopefully collaborate on a product together, but shout out to full moons and grab. And so full moon, are those nicotine free or are they low nicotine? Absolutely. Nicotine free. It's all CBD. No. So they keep your, they keep your fingers occupied as well. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a cigarette, you know, it's the same kind of vibe. It's just for me as a menthol smoker, I'm really missing that layer. Uh, Cool rush. Yeah. The little (laughs) cough drop in the back of your throat feel. So we're working on it. We're working on it, but I'm, I really, really trying to quit the, the cigarettes. It's not good. It's not good. So CBD, everybody knows what CBD is. I hope if you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> you just launched the CBD body care line. I did. did. You not? I let's, did. Let's, let's, you've got so much. Let's talk about that now. Yeah, yeah. I uh, did with Honey Pot Products, an incredible cannabis company that's been winning high times uh, cups for years. I think they're at 14 now. Shout out to Corey, who is the owner and creator of Honey Pot Products. She partnered with me and my dear friend, Adam Ill, who I actually host a show with every Monday night on Twitch at 6 p.m. called Misters and Marys, which is all about bringing the straight and queer community together one blunt at a time. We partnered with Honey Pot and created our own bath sets. So Adam has his own that's very gender neutral, which I love. And then I have mine, which is definitely more on the feminine side. Uh, but I still think is unisexy. Absolutely. And uh, I did three products with Honey Pot. There's the uh, Lemon Blaze uh, Bath Gel, which is great in the morning to wake you up. Lots of lemongrass, bergamot. It's beautiful. Then I did my favorite of the tr- of the triplet, which is the Blue Dream Cream, which use- utilizes blue tansy, which is an incredible essential oil used in uh, aiding the help of rashes, eczema, things of that nature, and grapefruit, uh, which is a great smell, of course, keeping you in that citrus vibe. And then the last product I did with them was a Sugar Daddy her uh, bath balm, which is lavender and lime. So uh, my whole line has a citrus vibe. I love citrus. I think, you know, lemonine terpenes are what have saved me. So I wanted to include those in my CBD products, of course. And yeah, I'm very proud of the line. I'm very proud to finally have something that is globally available to all of my international buds that are around the world and something that ultimately will help you. I mean, we have a thousand milligrams of CBD in the shower gel alone. So it's a, it's a great product. Yeah. So I didn't know I was going to be able to have a chance to, to voice a a gripe here, but I'm going to, which is okay. You brought up bath bombs. So you guys know when you get suckered in by a cheap bath bomb, because just sitting there, you're somewhere and it's like, there's some bath bombs and they're colorful. Let's do that. And then they stain your tub. The crappy ones stay in the tub and you're out there like scrubbing for 10 minutes after. Has anybody else had that issue? Yeah, I hate that, which is why mine are um, all colorless 
and you know natural oils so there is no cleanup because as much as I do enjoy the colors and the glitter because it is fun um, I don't really know that that's helpful I think maybe it is visually stimulating and that is good for the part of the brain but ultimately the products that I release with honeypots are to help so I didn't want any extra bells and whistles when it came to that I just don't want to have to clean the tub every time I, I mean yeah, I mean, sometimes it's worth it for the Instagram post, but <laughs> yeah, usually right? I'm with you. I don't want to clean the tub. Colored bath bombs and people who don't signal on the highway. Those are my Amen. two things. All right, that's it. I've I only got two that. things. It's just that. <laughs> I feel that. Um, you do confidence workshops too. Which I do. Confidence, I mean, that's we could spend two hours on confidence and, and why it's so important in a nicer world and why people with confidence are world changers and why people without just need, need help. Yeah. Right. And, and most of us are both. All right. Most of us are both. So you have confidence workshops. Take it away. Sure. So the way that, uh, my confidence workshops works is through the movement of dance. I use dance as a tool to help people come out of their shells. So, uh, my confidence workshop is called Laganja's Dance School. It's an international high heels technique class that has been incredible. I mean, obviously during Corona, it has come to a big halt, which has been very disappointing. I did partner up with Broadway Dance Center during Pride of last year to do a special Pride dance class over Zoom, which was fun. But I'll be honest, you know, for me as a teacher, I really need to be in the studio with the students. There's only so much I can do through uh, a Zoom. But I think when someone is really in the room with me and I'm in the room with them, I'm able to create a very safe space that allows people to feel like themselves. And I think you just really can't do that over a computer screen. I mean, I'm sure you can and shout out to those people who have pioneered a way to do it. But for me personally, I just have taken this moment to pause on my workshops, but I can't wait to get back out there and do them. They're probably the one of my most favorite things I do as an artist. Some of the most incredible experiences of my life. I mean, I've had people as young as six years old, as old as 63 years old. I mean, I've had Republicans, I've had boxers, I've had strippers. I mean, the people that I attract are truly eclectic. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that my voice has reached a generation of weirdos, whether they be young or old. I think it's amazing. And I think that that's why the classroom space is so, is so safe. Because the mm -hmm. people that are in there, usually nine times out of 10, have just been longing for this moment. Not to just meet me, but to really be with like-minded people who love drag race, who usually love cannabis, whether they smoke or not, and who ultimately want to feel like a superstar, but maybe don't know how to tap into that. So I use, you know, high heel technique and I use, you know, choreography and music to break people out of uh, their everyday life. And it's incredible. I really love it. And I, of course, need to give a huge shout out to my friend, Kristen Lovell, who founded the workshop with me uh, and traveled the world with me in the beginning. I, I could not do it without her. You know, most any great thing I've accomplished, there has been a great woman behind me making sure that it did happen. So I always like to give note to those women because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So I love you, Kristen. So the workshops, the workshops, you travel and do the workshops in different cities or is it all in LA? And then how does that work? Where can people, is there a, a mailing list people can get on so that when the workshops start up again, 
they can jump in. I want people to go. So how do they, how do they know? The best way to really keep in touch and, and to follow what I do is on my Instagram. I update my Instagram story every single day, every hour. Literally, if you want to know anything, it's always right there. And of course, my website has all my info too. But for now, nothing's on the books, y'all. We're still in Corona. Stay home. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Let's wait until we're vaccinated. Instagram is Laganja Estranja, yes? Absolutely. All platforms except for my TikTok. The TikTok, I was too old. I, I didn't get in there soon enough. So mine is the only Laganja Estranja. Fantastic. Laganja Estranja. Jay's. Astranjo with a J, Ganja with a J. You guys can figure it out. It's complicated, <laughs> but once you learn it, you it's easy. Uh, you also have a cannabis brand, uh, the first cannabis brand specifically celebrating LGBTQ plus pride? Sort of. I mean, I don't have my own brand yet. Okay. I will. Absolutely. Yes. One Let's day. speak it into being right now. Though. Oh, we, I have What's been, it like? Trust me. Uh, but I have been able to partner with companies and, and create, you know, collaborations. So the first person that I was so lucky to partner with was Allie from Hepburns, which was a, a company out of San Francisco, solventless uh, ice water hash and beautiful cannabis flower. So we partnered together and created La Hepburns and we did launch those here in Los Angeles. Um, we launched, we did the, uh, you know, a meet and greet. I was in full drag at a dispensary. People got to come and meet me in drag and get the cannabis. That was so cool. Uh, then several years back, I partnered with Fruit Slabs, which is a vegan, kosher certified, all organic, gluten-free fruit leather. And we did partner to celebrate Pride. And our flavor was called Pride Passion. It came out at Pride, but because we believed you should be you know, proud all year long, the product was available all year long. Uh, and so that was incredible. And now, you know, I am an official uh, Candy Pins affiliate partner artist. And I'm very excited to see where we're going to grow there. You know, right now, um, you know, I am just promoting them. I have a great discount code, Laganja25, if you're trying to get that e-rig for cheaper. But I think eventually I'm going to have a cannabis product with them. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I know that I, I you know, it will happen. Uh, I just don't have millions of dollars. And unfortunately, that's kind of what you need to get into the game these days. It's an expensive game. You're competing with holding companies with billions of dollars. And yeah. It's crazy. But there are a lot of folks who really do appreciate the small craft growers and makers and want to support them. You know, it's just a matter of of finding who they are, which is why I asked you earlier, like, what are you smoking? Well, now that I've moved inside, I'm going to switch over to the Lit Ills, which is my friend Adam Ill, who I was talking about earlier, who I do the show Misters and Marys with. It's his product with 3C Farms. So Is that what Adam looks like? And that it's Adam what looks Adam right? looks like, yeah. What's up, Adam? Oh, Adam's wearing the same hat that you are. What's the hat? 3C Farms. Oh, that's 3C Farms. We oh, love I thought 3C. it was like... Yeah, it looked very phallic. Or maybe it was DB, Double Blind Magazine. I don't know. I do how love many, Double Blind. I love yeah. them. How, how many more things can we shout out? Uh, how many more product placements? Oh, honey, what about we, your robe? We, what about your robe? Your robe is going. <laughs> no, my robe is for a TV show, Legendary, which is actually one of my favorite shows on HBO Max, which yeah. is about uh, Vogue and ballroom culture. So I'm actually trying to get on that show and be a judge, like a guest judge. So that's why, I, again, manifest, manifest. Are you a ballroom dancer? Uh, no. So this kind of ballroom is not ballroom dancing. It's actually like, well, like I said, it was an underground um, 
an underground dance form. And it's more like, well, it literally came from the shapes and poses of Vogue magazine, and they turned it into a dance form. So they, they, they performed it in ballrooms, which is why we call it ball and vogue but it's not ballroom dancing like you see with dancing on the stars at all very very different if you've never seen the documentary uh paris is burning i highly would suggest that it's a gay classic film uh cult classic film it really gives a breakdown on the culture of ballroom and vogue and especially again black and brown trans brothers and sisters and seeing how they really created so much of the vernacular the movement styles the things that we all love today Paris is burning. All right. That's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type it down onto my... It's a good one. Lots of legendary quotes. Um, we say a lot at the Super Nice Club that a nicer world means a lot more acceptance, right? Uh, the last few years have been crazy in the United States in terms of just people accepting each other, you know, for dumb reasons. Like, you voted that way. I voted this way. We hate each other, right? I noticed that you released Daddy in November. Did it did it have anything to do the waiting with the political climate? Do you do you feel like there's this yo-yo in terms of acceptance during your career? And it's just your opinion, right or wrong, or do you feel like we're making continued slow progress? How has it felt for you? Well, I absolutely think we're making progress, of course. But I think what you were asking about before was more like the climate of waiting and when do you put art out? And, you know, I actually have something that I can talk about, which is, you know, I created an original play called Up in Smoke that I did with my best friends during quarantine. And the day that it premiered was the day that BLM movement started here in Los Angeles. And so I got a lot of flack because it was just like... Right. Well, how could you be, you know, and it's like, mind you, I had worked on this project for months, spent $3,000. I mean, no one knew that that was about to happen. So at the end of the day, it did. It did really signify to me that when I'm putting art out, it does matter. And, you know, we need to be lending our platforms and our voices to things that are bigger than us. And so I did, I restructured, you know, everything and, and, and started to create art about BLM in response to, and not just like me taking a little poster and going and standing in the front of the march and getting my like picture taken, like a lot of influencers were doing. No, I really tried to create, you know, real artistic uh, you know, responses to what was going on and to try to help the movement. And of course I did go out in March as well, but you know, I, it really made me realize right away during Corona, like, okay, you know, this is a year where we really need to be politically aware of what's going on. And uh, that's very important to me because as I said, as someone who is trying to change the world and, and really create a nicer place for people to be, I think it's important that we acknowledge, you know, especially from someone like me who has a platform and someone who has followers to acknowledge what it is they want. And especially when they, what they want is something that I agree with and a line with, you know, because of course the BLM movement was so important and is still important. And, you know, I learned so much about my privilege during that time that I should have known. 
Um, and that shame on me for not knowing. And now like, you know, there's many ways that that's manifested, but for instance, as an influencer, you know, I'm only working with companies now that are celebrating and highlighting melanated voices. And I'll be honest, that wasn't something that was a part of my checklist when I worked with a company before it was, does the product work? Is it made in China? Is it going to hurt my buds if they buy this and smoke out of this? I never even thought about the bigger picture that the fact that, you know, I always think I struggle because I'm queer, but the truth of the matter is uh, I'm white. So even though I have struggled to get in the door because I'm queer, if I'd been, you know, brown or black and queer, it would have been twice as hard. So, you know, that really opened my eye. And, you know, that's why even with the music video daddy, I tried to, you know, support uh, black owned businesses, uh, shout out to Southern Sweets who made the official daddy cake, you know, and just really try to, use my privilege for the better. Because I think, again, as someone who is able to smoke cannabis open and free, you know, freely, that, that that's, there's so many people yet who, who sit in jail of color today for the exact same thing uh, for smoking, just like I do out here now in the open. So, you know, I, I definitely am trying to, to listen and learn and, and be a better person and know that I'm not perfect and know that I've lived off a life of privilege and that I still have a lot to discover and, 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 uh, improve upon. Amen to all of that. And folks, if you want to learn more about this madness, that is 40,000 us citizens languishing in prisons for nonviolent cannabis infractions right now, while large corporations make billions of dollars for doing exactly what they did only at a much larger scale. Uh, you can go back a couple episodes and listen to the podcast with prison reform activist and cannabis legend, uh, Andrew D'Angelo. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting subject. So listen to it. Take a listen when you're done with this one, finish this one first, finish this one first, then hop back to uh, Andrew D'Angelo. I don't know what episode number it is just because I haven't posted it yet, but I will by then. Oh. <laughs> it's all, this is all happening in, in, in the past and the future at the same time. I understand. So, Shout out to the last prisoner project. We love what you're doing. Um, I also want to talk about, since you're here and since I don't get to talk about this very much, I want to talk about bathrooms. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to be the first guest to be able to comment on this publicly, but can you see this? You're in the bathroom. Yeah, it's the it's the potty cast. Oh my god! The the studio is actually uh it's a you know the, the pool house bathroom. Uh, nobody's ever known that until episode whatever this is fifty nine. It's the truth is real. I love yeah, it. The nice work uh, podcast is is uh, it's actually a converted restroom. So that's amazing. There we go. I thought you were gonna I, like talk about like. What is it like being someone who's non-binary and having we to are, between the bathroom? This is, this, oh, okay. Yeah, no, we are. So do you think we'll ever get rid of that division here? There's so much fear around having unisex bathrooms. You know, it's not just the United States, though. It's also all over Europe, unless there's smaller restrooms. I did a lot of research on this before I got on. Uh, China's the country that's making the most progress on this because they're not politicizing it at all. And because they're not politicizing it, they're making faster ground. Um, do you think there's a world where unisex bathrooms, even in, you know, in schools, in young schools, that that becomes the standard? Will we ever get there? Should we? <laughs> I don't think I'll see that in my lifetime. 
That makes me sad. I, know. I, I just think because I just maybe there's something wrong with me, like my logic circuits. I've just never understood it because parents transmit so much shame around genitalia. Uh, and I remember I was I was a kid once. <laughs> I remember being a kid and I remember having no issue with that that never would have phased me, you know, until it was drilled into me that there is there needs to be some sort of like it's gross, you know, kids talking about, oh, sex is gross or, or, you know, the penis or the vagina, that's gross. Girls are gross. All that kind of stuff that comes from, uh, that comes from somewhere. It doesn't come naturally, right? So much fear out there. I hear people say like, well, if you had unisex restrooms, people be getting raped. Hmm. It's crazy. I mean, Really? I mean, if someone's going to rape someone, wouldn't they just go into the bathroom regardless of whether it was unisex or not? I feel like that's just like such a irrational uh, fear. I think that if we get to that point in the future where we have unisex bathrooms as the standard from age zero on up, that will be one of the most significant signs of a nicer world. That we've hit that ten percent nicer. I just it, it it would speak so much to a society and the society's norms and the society's uh, lack of of negative conditioning about sex and the division in sex and 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 this need to have two signs. This hyper binary division between people. Uh, it's such a divider. It's such a crazy divider. I could ramble on, but I'm not going to. I just wanted to get it in there. Well, so I love it. I mean, I, I so agree with you. I mean, as someone who literally struggles to decide which bathroom I'm supposed to yeah, go so into. what do you now, do? I Does mean, it depend it's, on it's very difficult. Or? I mean, you know, honestly, it's getting more and more difficult the more and more I decide to express my femininity uh, as Jay. So uh, I don't know. I, at this point... Um, Gender is a construct, tear it apart. I mean, I think that's really what the young generation thinks. And I really believe in it. But I just think there's so much ingrained in us and in society for many more years that I just most likely won't see that. I mean, I have seen numerous places go to unisex bathrooms. So I do have a lot of hope. But I just think as an overarching American culture, do I really think that that's going to like, Girl, in Texas, where I'm from, no. In Austin, sure, maybe they're progressive. But Dallas, Texas, getting rid of women and men bathrooms, yeah, don't see that in my life. I just don't, you know? It's it's a weird segregation that we allow. So you grew up in Texas. You're still young. Growing up in Texas, when did you realize that there was something inside you that you had that, that made you afraid, afraid to be you? Uh, in your greater society? Uh, well, probably very young. I mean, I was picked on kind of right away, you know, like I was on soccer teams and, you know, I sucked and I didn't really want to be there and it was clear <laughs> and they made fun of me. And, you know, like, I don't know, I was just kind of picked on right off the bat. So I don't know that there was ever a moment. I always knew I was different. I always knew that I had something special inside of me that people didn't understand and would judge me for. And so I was just really lucky to have parents that encouraged that and that loved that and that found me into a dance class and found me into musical theater school so that I could, you know, be myself. Um, but, you know, even at that age, when I would act feminine, my parents would tell me not to, not because they're bad parents, but because they didn't want me to be made fun of even more than I already was. So 
you know, I think that's why it's taken me a very long time to accept the feminine, the femininity that I now express. I mean, I just got acrylic nails starting about a month ago in quarantine at 32 years old. And I've wanted these nails like this for forever, but where I grew up, if you had nails like this, you got beat up or killed. So, you know, I don't know. I think gender is so fucked up because like you said, it's just something that we put in kids head from, from jump and we make it this thing. And I just wonder in my life, even if I had not gone through that and I had been able to just express myself openly and freely, what my life might look like right now and what I might look like right now, because I think yeah. I mean, even shaving my legs. I remember when I was a drag queen in the beginning, I used to wear tights because I was just like, well, I can't shave my legs. Like that's, that's so gay. And it's like, but why you are so gay, honey, like just own that, like take that and live that. And you know, that's what I'm doing now. And it's really, it's kind of been amazing to be exploring my gender at 32. You know, I never thought this would be a conversation I would be having with myself and my friends, but I am. And as scary as it is, sometimes it's beautiful because I'm finding myself and I'm finding my truth. And while my truth looks even more weirder than it already did, which is like, what? You're already a marijuana drag queen. How can you be even weirder? But surprise, (laughs) you can. And I'm figuring it out. And I think that's beautiful. And I hope uh, that that will inspire others too. To, to own their gender. I mean, you know, I'm only bearded right now because I didn't think I was going to be on camera. Like I'm about to go to lunch with my girlfriends and I'm going to be full glam and gorgeous in an hour. So I just never thought that that would be the case because normally I, I kept my beard and I loved my beard and I was cool with my beard. But the more and more I've begun to realize like, well, is that true? Did I really just like my beard because people told me I looked like a cute boy and I felt like, well, you're a drag queen and now you need to be a cute boy because you've removed all that makeup. And so it just, all these things that just played into my head that that none of them are real. They're all just things that have been decided by others. And, you know, I know that's so like hippie, so queer of me to say, but I really do think eventually people will get there because people want to be free. People don't want to be tied down to these norms that we that we make each other be. And I think, you know, eventually we can get there. That That's all beautiful and surprising. Yeah, it's very surprising for me to hear that one of the world's most famous drag queens struggling with questions around sexuality and gender. Incredible, right? And, and I think that that should be instructive for all of us to remember that if someone is is having that journey and it's a progressive, fluid journey through their lives, God, is it really that hard for us to have a little bit more flexibility around our thoughts on it, on embracing it and encompassing these different questions of gender and sexuality? And who cares if we understand it? We're going through a time right now with gender pronouns, arguments, with bathroom arguments. And a lot of times, I know a lot of us are just like, oh, what the? Are there more important things to be working on? Me too. Sure. Sure. You know, sure. For for you, for, for a lot of folks, there are. For some, there aren't. But right, right. It doesn't take that much to just say, you know what? Whatever all that noise is, that may not be me. I'm always going to use he and she. You know, I'm never going to use they. Fine. That's cool. That's, that's cool for you. But just accept it for everybody else. Correct. 
And that's not that hard to do if they're out there. I mean, I, I, as a queer person, don't even get the yeah. they, them. I'm like, really, girl? That's a real word that already exists. Like, And you're only one person. I don't understand. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, because for my pronouns that I prefer are she and her as a non-binary individual. But because sometimes I present male, I don't really care if people call me he. I'm fluid. So I truly don't care. It's just like for articles and things like that. If they ask preference, I always say she or her. At the end of the day, I don't care. If you want me to call you they, them, okay, so what? Like, what is the big deal? If you want me to call you frog, bitch, I'll call you frog. Like, I don't care. Whatever makes you happy makes me happy because us being happy together in this space is what I want and what we should all really want for each other. You know, I mean, I know you know that. It's all about, yeah, being nice and creating that openness to be whoever the whoever you are it's social grace folks and it's not that hard there's no need to be mean there's no need to tear them apart there's no need to yeah no here's a great quote from you that i read okay yesterday and this is a great one listen folks um My job is my life and not a day goes by when I'm not trying to better myself, not only as an artist, but as a person. If I can pass anything on to other people, it's that learning is the key to success. You have to fall on your face and make a fool of yourself to grow and receive greatness from the universe. Word, I love that quote. I said yeah, that. You said that. Well, you know, or, or your writer did. I don't care, but it's attributed to you in an interview. Work. That's fierce. Know. I turned um, on that one. <laughs> learning, though. Yeah. You've been learning and learning and learning. Publicly. It's intense. Yeah. Publicly, right? Yeah, and yeah you, you are incredibly public persona. Whether or not you're in this space, whether or not you're battling with learning about your 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 sexuality and your gender and and your thoughts on these things, um, it's a great quote because time and time again, uh, it seems on this podcast the guests have stories of failure, right? You and then you hear these phrases like failing forward and not being afraid to fail, and yours is a great one because you're gonna fail in the eyes of people who don't agree with what you're doing. So you're failing. You see failure on people's faces when you're out in public as Laganja Estranja or your more feminine presenting Jay Jackson. You see that failure to reach people all the time. Does does that failure to reach people, do you ever get tired of that? Does that ever numb you? Or are you just ever like, hey man, this is the work? Hmm. I love that you ask such deep questions. Um, I want to say both because I think I'm a very real person and I think the answer to everything is always both. (laughs) I'm like, it's always a little bit of A and a little bit of B truly, because for the most part, I would say my first reaction to you would be, nope, don't see it. Don't feel it. I live for it. In fact, oh, you're mad mama. Get into me. I'm gorgeous. That would be my first answer because A, I teach confidence and that is what you have to do. You have to have confidence to walk around like I do. You do. I look uh, queer. So yeah, you got to have confidence. But then the other, the other part of me would say like, no, it hurts. And it makes me sad. And I just know that that sadness that I feel from their disappointment is what ultimately keeps fueling that other energy I was just telling you about, which is, but I'm badass and I will make you see. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of like you need both, you know, you need both to create that 
that cycle of going forward and that energy of, of living it. Now, for some people, it's too much, right? And they don't have the confidence and they don't have that counterbalance. And so when they see the disappointment, it is only going to be natural that they're going to go further and further into their shell. But I've done the work to, to where I've come out of my shell now. So there's no putting Miss Thing back in. She's out. She's loud. She's proud. So I'm able to look at that and know I'm getting a response. And I think as an artist, that's really like my other main goal besides changing the world. It's to get a response. I mean, you look at my character on RuPaul's Drag Race season six, I went in there to get a response. I did not go in there to be safe, to just be cute and likable. And no, I went in there, you're either going to love me or you're going to hate me. And I've always felt that way about who I am. And I think as the older I get, the more I'm able to have people love me because I am becoming more real and I am understanding like, okay, you are annoying. So like, maybe you don't need to be turned up all the time. Like you can find a balance. And, and that's why I say the answer is always both because life is a balance. Life is a, is, is a balance. It truly is. And even with my gender, it's like, I'm finding that balance. And that's a very powerful thing. When you can be equaled out in all the different you know, aspects of your life, I think that's when you're truly happy. I think my last big question that I have for you that just came to mind is, uh, you said these deep questions, right? When you look back on little Jay, say 10 years old, uh, do you still feel a connection to that young boy? Do you ever, do you ever talk to him, give him some sort of uh, advice you ever have that those moments you know i was a cocky son of a bitch as a kid so like i literally still feel like yes because without like before i realized that i was different or that i did anything wrong in other people's eyes i always thought like i was a star and i was amazing i mean i grew up in musical theater at like camps and i would get main parts and i mean i just felt like i was it and it wasn't until really RuPaul's Drag Race when the world was like, uh, honey, not only are you not it, but like you're ex, that I was like, well, dang, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so I feel like when you say like, do I talk to him? You know, because they, they ask this question a lot. Like, do you have advice for your younger self? And it's like, really, my younger self is what keeps me perpetuating believing in myself. Because until I was told not to believe in myself, I was really good at that. So That's like, I don't know. It's like, sometimes when I'm asked this question, I want to cry and I want to like tell young Jay to be brave and blah, blah, blah. But I was brave. I was going to musical theater camp with my sister's clothes in my bag. My mother and father didn't know. And at lunch I was putting on dresses and giving full performances at lunch. I mean, I have always had this special gift of believing in myself and of confidence. And I really do think that stems from the fact that my parents enrolled me in musical theater at a young age. I was allowed to express myself. And when I was flamboyant and when I was over the top, I got rewarded for that in plays by the audience. And so it built this connection in my brain that like, oh, being over the top, being fabulous, being who you truly are will reward you. And so, you know, it's, I've never answered this question before. Usually I cry when I get this question. And like I said, usually I say like, oh, babe, just believe in yourself. But for some reason I'm having this epiphany where it's like, but no, that wasn't the case. When I was young, like I really was probably more confident than I am today because I didn't know about life. I didn't know about paying $2,000 a month to live 
in Hollywood and try to be a star, you know, like I already was, I was in, yeah, I was maybe just like Charlie and Charlie and the chocolate factory in some local production. But to me, that was Broadway and I was the lead star, you know? So that's one of the best. I don't know. I guess that's kind of the answer I would give you today. That's great. That's, that's fantastic to think for those of us who, who, um, we tended to have these, these lives that, uh, you learn and it's, it's a, it's a, Confidence grows as you grow. And then you're pointing out that no, sometimes these as a young kid, we haven't been messed up yet. Right. And that if we can get if you can think about yourself before, you know, you were you were made to hate. Right. For example. Um, there's a pure, beautiful kid there that that should be your counselor now. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's actually something when I had a counselor that they said to me, like, well, sometimes you have to like talk to yourself as if you were a little child. And would you treat a little child how you're treating yourself now? Because I'm a perfectionist and I beat myself up. Like I am literally my hardest judge. Like you have no idea. I am so mean to myself. It's it's a bad, bad problem that I smoke a lot of cannabis to uh, sedate. <laughs> it ends, it but, ends now, Jay. I know. But um but yeah, I forget the point of that now, but I don't know. I just think it's interesting today when you asked me that question, I did. I just saw this like really confident young person who was achieving his goals even then. And yeah, I went through shit and da 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 da, but ultimately like that little kid got me where I am today, you know? So if anything, I would just like put my hand on his back and be like, "Good job. Like you you are you did it." You know? Amen to that. We're going to add Young Jay to your list of heroes. All right. I like that. When somebody that. asks you okay. about your heroes, you're going to say, yeah. My younger eight, self. Eight-year-old me. Right. You know, Cocky little Boy. eight-year-old me who yeah. swore yeah. I, was the, I was everything. All right. That's fantastic. We do this thing with the podcast where the guests get to issue a question or a challenge, a challenge to the listeners. It's called the Super Nice Challenge, believe it or not. Something that that people can do to make their world a little bit nicer. Do you have any kind of challenge for the the listeners out there? Well, uh, I only like to give challenges that I do myself. So I guess right now I've been challenging myself every day to um, go and do Runyon, which is a hike near my house. That's a, it's a mountain. It's kind of hard. I'm not going to lie. It's actually pretty intense, but I've been telling myself if I can climb this mountain every day, then I can do anything I put my brain to because I'm not really a wilderness person. I mean, I low key get into it once I'm out there, but I don't consider myself a wilderness person. I'm definitely a glamper, but for me, it's been amazing. It's been really powerful. And, you know, I just worked last week on a new film uh, and I didn't work out all week. And so yesterday was my first day back to go and exercise again. And I did it in like less than I normally do. I did it in 50 minutes, which is just like, what? I can't believe I did that. And it really made me feel so proud of myself. And so, yeah, my challenge to people out there listening would be to do a physical activity, whatever that is for you. You can define it however you want, but do it every day and prove to yourself that every day, if there's anything you accomplish, it's that one little physical activity. Because I think there's something about the brain where we especially during Corona, right? Where we freak out and we think we can't do these things, but no, the brain is so powerful. And when I tell myself I'll climb that mountain, I climb that mountain every day. So I think that's what it's about. Let your, let your brain push your physical body. 
because as a dancer, obviously I love, you know, being physical. Get those endorphins, honey. Tell yourself to climb a mountain, folks, then climb a mountain. Repeat. Every day. That's the challenge. Every day. Do we get do we get a rest day? Like six or seven? Yeah, last week while I was working on set, I took a whole week off. Are you kidding? I okay. mean, I was working twelve day twelve hours a day, so there was no way I was going to hike a mountain. But and if you're already hiking mountains every day, don't beat yourself up when sometimes you just can't get your workout in. Exactly. Because a lot of people it'll it'll wreck your day. I didn't oh, get my no. workout in. I'm in a sour place. That's a sub challenge for me. If you're already climbing a mountain every day and something comes up. Go easy on yourself. Exactly. Because you know, you're probably you're already a mountain. A- Give yourself a yeah. break. <laughs> and then lastly, Jay, the guest gets to ask me a question. Any question. So if you have any question to ask of me, now's the time. I'll do my best. Okay. Um, well, what is it? What is something that you would like to see implemented in people? A challenge. Let's oh give God. them a double challenge today. So, so many. And uh, we give a lot. Um, Although you did, I'll, you I'll did give... technically already give one because you gave your challenge for they if they don't climb the mountain, then they can't get mad at themselves. Was so, I was drafting off of yours. That was, okay, okay. So you're going to give your Come own. On. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that mine, gosh, I'm going to double down on, on a request from earlier in this podcast, which was um, – Watch Daddy. Watch a video Aww. like Daddy, and and ask yourself, you know, if, if you're having some sort of trouble with it, um, st- stay with it, and and just really reflect on what it is that bothers you about it. I don't know what it's going to be for you. For some folks, it, it might be religious, you know, and that's fair if that's your thing. For other folks, it might just be you know a lack of familiarity. But remember that we're living in a world where. As Jay said, and as you've heard so many times, sex sells. Sex sells everything, okay? Sex sells everything, even Marvel and DC movies for kids. These these heroes are all good looking. It's no coincidence, right? Um, and they're in tight outfits and you can see everything, you know? Storm, Halle Berry, hot, okay? Watch the video and find out, you know, where where is the, the hypocrisy there? You know, yes, it's over the top. It's supposed to be over the top. It's supposed to make you wonder about these things. Uh, so that's my challenge. That's my challenge to watch daddy that it's in the, watch it at work, super loud. If you have any kind of- LED He's lying, don't listen to him. Project it into your break room, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely not safe for work. So uh, if you're thinking he's serious, he's not. <laughs> not safe for work. Um, watch daddy. If you got an extra hour and a half, my challenge on this is I'm going to watch Paris is Burning. Yes. Documentary. You're going to love so, it. I can't wait. I hope you love it. Yeah. Well, I've loved talking with you, Jay. Thank, uh, thank you so you much. I love what you're doing. For sharing your time. I love and, what you're doing. I'm so happy to be a part of the Super Nice Club. This was awesome. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. And, you know, let us know. Let us know when you get your confidence workshops back yes. up again so we can put the word out to the members. Amazing. You know? I would um, love that. And also uh, get-, get ready for my next single coming soon called Hype Man, which is all about hyping up yourself. So it's a really appropriate song and it's it's a, a complete departure from daddy. I wanted to show people I can go super nasty and then I can go super clean. So look out for Hype Man coming to you in March. And that'll be as Laganja Estranja. Of yep. course, yes. Fantastic. Yes. All right, Jay, we will catch up with you in the real world one of these days. Absolutely. Stay nice. Okay, you too.
So there you have it, a super nice conversation with a super nice Jay Jackson Laganja Estranja. I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope that for some of you, this this episode stretched your views here and there. Um, maybe maybe more of us will question our sort of knee-jerk conditioned rejections of certain displays of artistic expression. A super nicer world would really, would really, really does, it does really require that we embrace the full spectrum humanity and question the conditioning, like I said, that would have us just malign anyone at all. Don't you think? Anyway, you get my point. I love you. I can't wait to have your ear holes tuned in next week when we will be joined by famed and funny comedian Erica Rhodes. I adore her. You will too. Stay nice, everyone. So what? Big deal.